Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, uh, it's uh, fantastic to have you with us this morning as we conclude our story series. Who's been enjoying going through the stories over the last uh, month at, uh, at Gateway? We've been preaching through Psalm 107. And uh, four different stories, four different encounters uh, where uh, the Israelites are being reminded of what God has done in their history. And so today we're going to, uh, to, to finish up looking at our final story that uh, display God's goodness and love for his people. Uh, and this final story is about traveling on the sea. Now I don't know about you, but traveling on the sea is not for me. I am definitely a land lover. I can, I can give you a 100% guarantee that I, I was not designed for, for seafaring. You know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm 100% certain that I was never meant to be a cruise ship captain or a sailor or join the Navy. And it's not because I can't swim for nuts, which I can't. And it's not because I don't like the feeling of dried salt water on my skin. I don't like that either. It's because I get terribly seasick. And you just put me in something that moves and shakes just a little bit, and I'm, I get ill. You know, my, uh, my wife had great joy in, uh, earlier in the year when we took our kids to SeaWorld, and she said, hey, Tim, why don't you go on that kiddie ride? It spins around, goes up and down. I was ready to throw up uh, just, uh, just looking at it. I get on city cats, and I feel ill. You know, and for, for me, one of the things that terrifies me is, uh, is being pitched around in a boat in the middle of a wild sea with no way of stopping it or getting off. And many years ago, I actually had an experience that was just that, my worst nightmare, when uh, Lauren and I and uh, our, our son at the time, our only son at that time, uh, was, uh, <coughs> was with us in New Zealand. We were traveling from Christchurch in the South Island all the way up to Auckland in the north. And we were driving a camper van, and one of the key parts of that journey is to cross Cook Strait. I know many, people of you, many of you have done it, but uh, Cook Strait is, uh, as you can see on the map, it's actually not that far. It's actually only 70 kilometers between the port of Picton and the harbor of Wellington. And you think, ah, oh, it's only 70 kilometers, that's easy. Three hours in a car ferry, she'll be right, mate. But this piece of water is one of the most treacherous and most dangerous in the world. Because of the, the way that the geography works and that the tidal flows and the incredibly unpredictable weather, Cook Strait can be a nightmare. Now, I read, actually, just before uh, heading over there, I remember reading a story of uh, the inter-island ferry once being pitched about in seas with, with 14-metre-high waves. 14 metres high in that small little strait. And so there was much trepidation. As we, uh, as we rolled our camper van onto the boat that afternoon. You know, it was a typical uh, wet and windy New Zealand day, and, uh, and we had to make this three-hour journey over to Wellington. And look, it started off okay. You know, the, the boat sort of sailed through the Marlborough Sounds. Beautiful scenery, even with the, the, the rain falling, and it was a little bit windy, but the, the sun was actually peeking through on the horizon, and it was just almost, almost peaceful, almost beautiful as we're sailing through these sounds. It was very calming in the water and just gentle. But as we kind of got closer towards the open water, 
things started to change a little bit. It started to get a little bit choppier. The swell began to pick up. And we began bobbing up and down as the water below began to kind of build up a little bit more. By this time, it was, it was dark. And, after, and after, as a result, it was time for our one-year-old to, to go to sleep. But of course, he didn't want to do that. He started bawling his lungs out. And after a number of judgmental looks from all of our passengers, I, uh, I took him outside to try and calm him down and get him to sleep. And we're walking around the decks of this, uh, of this giant ferry and I'm just feeling the, the waves underneath us, watching the, the kind of boat way uh, rise and fall on the swell. And it was uh, wet out and I was really worried. I thought I could slip here and drop Saxon overboard. So I hurried back inside as we kind of continued to cross the strait. And I'm very glad that I did. Because just as I headed inside, an announcement came over the PA system to ask passengers to take their seats and prepare, prepare for some turbulent seas ahead. Great. So as we, uh, as we continued to travel into the middle of the strait, those choppy waves become mighty swells that the ferry was trying to push through. Up and down, side to side, we were being thrown about like we're in a washing machine. It was almost like, if you've seen that cruise ship uh, video where the, the piano kind of flies from one side of the ship to the other, it was kind of like that, at least it felt like that. And fortunately for Saxon, he just went to sleep. Lucky him, he just rode it out. But unfortunately, the waves had a completely different effect on me. I'm ashamed to mention that I, I walked a number of times sort of staggering down the hallway to the men's room to revisit the fosh and chops that I'd had for dinner. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I remember cowering in my seat saying to Lauren, how, how close are we? Can we make it stop? I've got a distinct memory and I don't know where it came from of just sitting there with a blanket over my head almost crying saying, God, please make it finish. We finally got in to the calm waters, the safe waters, the harbour at Wellington. And we went back down to our, uh, our camper van and uh, drove off that ferry. And I tell you what, I could have stopped and kissed the ground. I was so thankful to be back on land. Because ultimately that trip took a whole lot longer than the advertised three hours. And it ended up being quite a, a traumatic experience. As I said, I love being on light, dry land. I'm certainly not... Uh, fit for seafaring. But our story this morning has some parallels. Our story this morning is all about some seafarers, some people who set off into the, uh, into the distance. And uh, we're going to read that story this morning from Psalm 107 as we look at the final of four stories in this particular psalm about God's goodness and love for his people. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to pull out your Bible, turn to page, uh, can't give you a page number, turn to Psalm 107. Uh, if, you, uh, if you've got your Bible app, maybe you could open up, it'll be in exactly the same spot you left it last week if you uh, haven't used it. But we're going to read from, uh, from verse 23 this morning. It says, Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants of the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted 
away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. This part of Psalm 107 explores the story of these travelers, some merchants who took out into the waters to ply their wares on the trade routes of the world. And although the Israelites had a healthy respect and in some cases a fear of the water, they traveled frequently on the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, and most frequently the, the, the Mediterranean Sea because it opened up a whole bunch of new trading opportunities and potential wealth for the people. As these travelers set out, they saw God at work. They saw the beauty of God's creation, and they, they experienced God moving whilst they were out on the water. But suddenly, the wind turned, and the waves rose. And just like my experience crossing the Cook Strait, these intrepid sailors began to lose heart. Their courage disappeared as the boat rose high on the wave and plunged down behind it. They staggered around the boat, could, unable to walk in a straight line as the boat was tossed around in the sea. They were at their wits' end. The literal translation is that all their wisdom had been swallowed up and none of their nautical experience or expertise could help them. They desperately needed help. And as they cried out to God, he rescued them. He saved them from their distress and brought them to safety. Now these psalms are a collection of songs and poetry, and, and as such, each psalm is filled with metaphor and analogy. And in the journey of these sailors, I can see an incredible parallel to the predicament that we frequently face in our own lives. It feels sometimes that we are being tossed around in the storms of life. We experience the same fears and the same stresses and anxieties that these sailors experienced. We need rescuing. We need God's provision, his helpful hand to reach out. And this is, a, is actually a pattern I feel that's repeated frequently in our lives. Maybe you're in it right now. You know, maybe at the start of the day, start of the week, start of the school term, we set out on our journey and everything is calm. The sun is shining and there's, a, there's an excitement for what's ahead, an anticipation of what's to come. There's a world of possibility before you. But life doesn't stay that way. Before long, there are some difficulties to encounter. The water begins to get a little choppier. A few bills come in at the same time, and then there are lots to juggle. There are family dramas that need to be attended to. The ideas you had and the intentions you've set out with don't actually end up turning out the way that you'd planned. And as the waves rise, so does your stress level. You begin to start feeling a little anxious, a little nervous about what's next. But it's all out of your control. The waves are starting to rise around you, and it's not because you've made some mistakes or you've sinned. It's, it's just life. And as you push through, you're starting to get a little more uncomfortable, starting to feel a little more worried, but you're sure that you can still make it. But then there are seasons of life where the wind and the waves go to a whole other level. The deadlines all seem to hit 
at once. Sickness sweeps through the, the family and there's a, there's a relational crisis that you need to resolve. A couple of things almost push you over the edge, like the hot water system blows or, or, or the car gets, uh, gets crashed into or there's a, a negative diagnosis and all of a sudden it feels like you're getting tossed about but you can't seem to find your footing. Anxiety and fear become your constant companions. One wave lifts you up just to smash you down on the other side and there doesn't seem to be any way that you can make it stop. You find yourselves at your wit's end and you have no idea what to do. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. I know I've experienced that many times. Maybe you're in the midst of it right now. A storm in life. And you're just asking, hey, can I get off this journey? No, we've, we've all had those moments. We've all had those seasons. We've all had, experienced those challenges. You've been in the midst of those storms, desperately hanging on, overwhelmed by fear and worry and anxiety and just crying out to God, God, can you make it stop? Some of us only have these experiences every now and then. For others of us, it's just something that we carry every day and we journey through this frequently in life where overwhelm and anxiety become the norm and we desperately cry out to God to give us a solution to save us from our distress. In a little while, we're going to explore how God calms our anxious lives. But before we do that, I'm going to invite Emma to, uh, to come and share with us this morning. Would you give Emma a huge round of applause as she comes to uh, share her story? <clears throat> Emma is uh, part of our life group. She's also one of our Kidlings volunteers. And uh, I'm going to invite you, Emma, to come and sit in the boat with me. Fortunately, this one is on dry land. So, uh, so that's a good thing. But uh, jump in, grab a seat. Oh, very comfortable. Um, Emma, thanks so much for sharing your story with us uh, this morning. I know that God's uh, had you on quite an incredible journey uh, over the years. Um, but I'd love to start at the beginning. Tell us uh, what uh, your early life was like. Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home. I am the oldest of three girls. And I remember giving my heart to God at an early age. Uh, but I also remember being a really anxious, aggressive, and overwhelmed child. And I didn't know why I felt so different to my sisters. I would avoid things like eye contact. I didn't know how to communicate my needs to people. I had repetitive behaviours. And I would often just have meltdowns for no particular reason. My mum and dad knew something was different, so they took me to see a specialist who diagnosed me with autism and anxiety when I was eight years old. And I remember um, sitting in that room with the specialist as he told my parents that I probably wouldn't be able to do normal school I wouldn't ever be able to drive a car and I wouldn't be able to do life normally. And that, I walked out of that room and felt like I was in error, that God had made a mistake when he'd created me. And that became a burden that I carried and I struggled um, yeah, struggling feeling like my family were always having to look after me, and that was really hard. Even though we had a diagnosis that 
made sense. Um, it still felt awful for me because I just didn't understand why I was that way. <sighs> because of that, I experienced um, a lot of depression and that followed me into high school where I often thought life would be easier if I wasn't around. Mm. That sounds like a, a, a pretty dark place. So you're in high school now. What had, what had God, and God started to move, didn't he? Tell us what God was doing in your life through your high school journey. Um, God actually moved my family out to Boona, uh, where I was enrolled in a special education program at our local high school. This, for my family, was a really good move because it slowed life down for us. And I was given the time and support to learn in a safe environment. And I didn't feel the pressure of needing to keep up. I, by the age of, uh, by grade 10, I started attending normal classes with the rest of the school. Um, but high school was still really hard for me. I would have anxiety attacks at the front gate and I would physically struggle walking into school every day. And I would go home and just cry for hours because I felt like life shouldn't be this hard. Um, with all of that, I was battling depression, anxiety, and just trying to fit in as a normal teenage girl, which is already hard enough as it is. Um, through that, God encouraged me to get involved in my local church's kids club ministry. Here I felt um, working with children actually reduced my anxiety and I, for once in my life, felt like I wasn't a burden anymore. I was able to help make a difference, and that was a really comforting feeling for me. One of the other important things was God actually gave me a community of friends who, because Boona is such a small town, they were my church friends, my youth group friends, and my school friends. So God put a really good a group around me who they were aware of my anxiety so they would like pick me up from my classes and walk me to my next class which was really lovely um, and through all of that God started I started to feel brave and I started the process of rebuilding my life with the truth that um, I was loved I'm whole I'm not an error and that God wasn't surprised by how my life turned out, um, that he'd had a plan for me all along. And I jumped forward to year 12. I got my license. Um, I graduated year 12 and randomly got student of the year. <laughs> obviously made my family question if I was misdiagnosed when I was eight with autism. Um, but the reality of the hardships and pain that we walked through as a family were too real to ignore. So we came to the conclusion that uh, God had healed me of autism. Mm, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, let's give God a round of applause. 
So Emma, you, uh, you ended up studying to be a nurse and you, uh, you're working in that full-time today, but you still carry uh, the, the challenge of anxiety. Do you want to share what that looks like for you today? Yeah, so the reality is I still uh, live with anxiety every day. Some days are easier than others. Uh, I believe nursing's really um, helped me to be a braver person because I have to be prepared for the unexpected. Uh, it's a demanding job with many stresses and not much rest. And having autism, I wasn't often aware of um, my emotions. So it pushed me to work through what felt uncomfortable to me to have compassion for my patients and walk with them. And I believe we all have an inbuilt fight or flight response. I used to flee a lot from the things that threatened me, but God's really taught me how to stand firm and fight the waves that are threatening to take me under. And I'm trying to be honest about my anxiety these days. Uh, bringing it into the light means that the enemy has no power over it anymore. And I'm just learning to be real and vulnerable and asking my friends for prayer when it's a bit too much for me. Mm, that's great. And lastly, how do you rely on, on God to help you through you know, your anxiety in life? Uh, an important thing is remembering his goodness and how far he has brought me. I can't deny the things that he's done in my life and the people that he's brought along. It's important for me to know that the waves of life come. You can't ignore that. And I have to be prepared for that. So um, he often gives me this image of me tumbling around in the waves and he's holding me in it and just um, giving me breath and rest when I need it. Uh, he's also not removed from my chaos. He's with me in it all. Um, one of my coping mechanisms I call green therapy. And if you know me, I know you know that I love being out in nature. So if life's getting overwhelming and I'm feeling stressed, I withdraw and I'll go for a bushwalk or go to the beach or just sit on grass. And here I'm able to find peace and just reconnect with God and fix my eyes back on him. And lastly, um, I've had to learn the act of surrender every day, putting my trust in him and taking my eyes off the waves and keeping them fixed on him. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, can we give Emma a huge round of applause? Thank you so much for sharing. Emma, we love you and we appreciate you. And uh, thank you for, uh, for being willing to be honest and open with us this morning. So why don't we just give Emma another round of applause. Thanks, Thanks Em. <clears throat> it's powerful when, uh, when people share with uh, such honesty and vulnerability as, uh, as Emma uh, has done. And we're just like the, the merchants on the sea in our story. Emma has called out to God and, and he has helped her in her distress. And for the rest of our time this morning, I'd like to explore the last few verses in this, in this story and, and look at the wisdom that they can give us as we sail through the waves of life. Let's uh, just touch back with uh, verse 28. 
It says they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. This is one of the common refrains throughout all of the stories in Psalm 107. In each story, the central characters cry out to the Lord and he rescues them. He does that because he's a good, good father. He's a good God. But it also teaches us this refrain about what our perspectives should be as we go through life. It shows that we all need to keep trusting God. Even when the winds of anxiety threaten to blow us off course, even as the waves threaten to overwhelm us, even as we are thrown violently from side to side, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't be so focused on the storm that you lose focus on the Saviour. So often we can get caught up in the the looming deadlines and the challenging relationships and the mess and murkiness of life that we start fixating on these problems rather than focusing on Jesus. I remember as a kid, my dad used to say when we did find that odd occasion being out on the water, he always used to say, keep your eyes on the horizon. Don't look at the waves around you. Don't look just in front of you, but keep your eyes on the horizon. Fix your eyes on something that's not going anywhere, that's not going to change. That's actually going to help you in your motion sickness. And that's true in life as well. The storms, in the storms of life, we can be so tempted to, uh, to just look inward. But, but healing, healing begins when we start to look upward. Now, we have to lift our eyes and focus on Jesus. We, may need, we, uh, we need to trust him, have faith that he is with us, and believe that he is working even when we might not see it. Feel it. That's one of the, one of the reasons I love that song that we've been singing this uh, this morning and throughout this month. That Waymaker song. Uh, the bridge says that uh, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. God is always on the move. Jesus is working uh, amidst the waves and through the storm. Jesus is working in our lives. And so we need to trust him. We need to, we, we, we need to focus on our Savior and not focus on the storm. We need to trust him. And we can trust him because he has the power to calm any storm that we face. And when our merchant sailors call out to God in this story, God calmed the storm. Verse 29 says, He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. God had the power, the ability, and the desire to still the heaving seas and calm the driving wind. A thousand or so years later, there was another incident just like this, this time recorded in the Gospels. And Jesus and his followers were ministering around the Sea of Galilee, but, they, but Jesus decided that it was time to head across and to start uh, working amongst a different community. Mark chapter 4 tells us this. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus got up rebuked the wind, 
and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And the disciples were afraid and, and faithless because they didn't realize that Jesus had this power. All they could see was the power of the wind and the waves. They knew that Jesus had some power. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him cast out demons, but they'd never seen him have authority over, over the weather. And they assumed that Jesus was powerless in this situation. Why would they expect him to do something that he'd never done before? And often we make that same mistake. We limit God by our experience of him in our own lives or the lives of those who are close to us. And when we encounter a new type of storm or a new challenge, we, we can begin to doubt if Jesus really can help us with this one. And when we do that, we foolishly try to find comfort and wisdom in our own strength. But Jesus cares, and Jesus can calm any storm that we are faced with. All authority and power in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so as the boat was being tossed about, Jesus peacefully slept because he knew and trusted in God's power. Yet Jesus calmed the storm for his disciples. And he has the power to calm the storms in your life as well. Jesus has the power to reconcile that relationship. He has the, the power to release you from anxiety. He is able to rescue you from the situation you find himself, yourself in. Do you trust? Do you trust that he has that power? For our intrepid sailors, God eventually brings them back into port. Verse 30 of Psalm 107 tells it this way. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. I really like how this verse reads in the New Living Translation of the Bible where it says, What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbour. What a blessing stillness is in the safe harbour. This is powerful language, I reckon, but it's, it's also, there's also a powerful principle behind it, that there is a blessing to be found in the stillness. I mentioned earlier how glad I was to get onto the dry land after our crossing of Cook Strait. But I didn't sort of sit still for very long. And very quickly, we moved on to the next thing. We, we uh, noted that experience down as, uh, as something that we had just accomplished together, but then we moved on. And we probably didn't sit still too long to, to give much thanks to God. We, we probably didn't reflect too much in terms of what we could learn. We just moved on. And how frequently do we do that in life? God helps us through an anxious moment or, or we experience God's grace as he restores a relationship or God miraculously provides to get us out of a hole. But then we move on to the next battle. I want to challenge us this morning of the importance of being still in the safe harbour. The importance of pausing for long enough just to be still to hear God's voice for our lives, to be able to reflect, give thanks, and build our trust for the next season that is to come. 
Because when we hear God in the stillness, we will trust him in the storm. When you hear him in the stillness, you will trust him in the storm. This year, I, uh, I plan to set aside a few times throughout the year to take a bit of a, a personal or spiritual retreat. Now, these are moments to kind of step out of the rhythm of life and work and ministry and just be still before God. These went above and beyond the, the regular quiet times with God. These retreats were more uh, around following Jesus' uh, example of taking extended time with the Father, away from the hustle and bustle of ministry. My wife, Lauren, very graciously agreed to uh, stay home and, and wrangle the kids for four times throughout the year, and uh, it allowed me to get away for, uh, for a 24-hour period at a time. In around June, as I looked forward to what was happening in Term 3, I, uh, I realized that there was a fair bit of swell coming in. I don't know about you, but Term 3 can be a, uh, can be a stressful term. You know, you've passed the, um, the excitement and anticipation of the new year, but Christmas is still a long way off. And so term three can be a bit of a hard slog. And so as I reflected on that, I made sure that I put in my calendar at the beginning of term one of these 24-hour retreats. I, uh, I ended up uh, heading up the coast for a day, just listening to God, just waiting on him spending time in his word and just enjoying his creation, a little bit like what Emma was talking about, about before. And just listening to him and trying to um, just enjoy being in his presence in that still harbor. And across that retreat, he, uh, he filled me up, he equipped me, and he gave me strength for the season to come. And that experience sustained me through term three which it did end up being pretty full on. But, but when you hear God in the stillness, you can trust him in the storm. And through the rest of that term, I was busy, but I didn't feel anxious. My calendar was full, but I, I didn't feel overwhelmed. There was a lot going on, but I wasn't stressed out of my mind because I knew God was with me. I could rely on him. And we all need to find that stillness in the safe harbor. Maybe it's not a 24-hour retreat for you. Maybe it's just carving out a few hours out of your regular routine to deepen your walk with Jesus. Maybe like Emma, you, you, uh, you just need to get out into nature and experience God's presence in his creation. Maybe it's about taking a couple of hours just to write down the thoughts and, and concerns that you are hanging on to. The storm clouds are gathering in the future and you're worried what it's going to look like. Just taking some time to write those fears and those thoughts down and bring them before God. Or perhaps you simply just need a morning to reflect on the journey that God has taken you on and give him thanks for all the blessings that he has provided you with. In our 24-7, always on, always reachable at the touch of a button culture, we've forgotten how to rest. We've lost the art of being still. Being quiet is foreign to us. But it's so important. Because when you hear God in the stillness, you'll be able to trust him in the storm. Can I encourage you, sometime over the next couple of months, even over summer when things just start to slow down, take some time to carve out a significant block of time with God in that safe harbor. 
just to, just to st- be still before him. Or maybe you're in such a storm right now, you can't afford to wait to the new year. You, you need to just look at your calendar and talk with your significant other and find something in the next week or two before the crazy Christmas season where you can just pause and reflect and enjoy being still in the presence of God. We all need to practice that stillness, to be filled up so that we can be sent out again, trusting God and knowing that he's got our back. The trusting in Jesus calms our anxious lives. When we're hit by the storms of life, when we're pitched about in the oceans of stress and fear and anxiety, Jesus can bring calmness through keeping our eyes on him, trusting that he has power over all of our life circumstances and having spent time with him in the stillness of our safe harbor, we can experience the peace that passes all understanding. This was true for our sailors in our story today, but it can also be true for us in our lives. We live in an era where anxiety and overwhelm are commonplace in our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning to allow Jesus to be your hope, to trust him, to know his power, and to seek him in the stillness. This way he will sustain you through the storms and calm your anxious life. Maybe you're here this morning, you haven't even taken that first step of trusting Jesus yet. You've never experienced his peace or his power in your life. You're just battling through an ocean on your own. And you've never connected with the creator of the universe. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. To take that first step of trusting in Jesus. Accepting that he died on the cross for your sins. And take up the offer of an everlasting relationship with him. Right across this room right now, I just want to invite us all to bow our heads and and close our eyes. I want to give you an opportunity to take that offer that Jesus extends to you. This morning, if you were here and you would like to put your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, can I just encourage you wherever you're at, just to raise your hand. I'd love to uh, be able to pray with you. We'd love to connect with you and get some resources into your hands. We'd love to help you take that step with Jesus. No, Jesus came down to earth to die. He lived a perfect life and then died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But he was raised from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death. And he offers you an eternal relationship with your creator in heaven. He wants to welcome you into his family. He wants to walk with you. All you need to do is to accept, to trust him. If that's you this morning, can I just get you to raise your hand? You want to put your trust in Jesus this morning as your, as, as, uh, your Lord and Savior. Just let us know. We'd love to pray with you. Anyone this morning? That's cool. You can pray a prayer at any time. Feel free to open your eyes. You can pray a prayer at any time to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you do do that, can I encourage you to come and have a chat with somebody here at the church? 
They would love, we would love to help you on that journey. Can I invite us all to stand this morning? We're going to conclude this morning by singing that song that I referred to earlier. That song called Waymaker. That song that talks about the God who makes a way, who can do miracles in our life, who keeps his promise. And as we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to receive prayer this morning. As we hurdle towards Christmas, we're heading into a season when the wind and the waves of life can start to build up. There may be uncertainty in your life as a contract has ended. Maybe there's new opportunities as your studies have completed. Or maybe there are new directions or new things happening for you next year. This morning, we'd like to pray for you if that's the case. We'd also love to pray with you if you're just right in the moment. You're just stuck in the midst of a storm. We'd love to, uh, to, to join with you, to pray with you that you could fix your eyes on Jesus, that you could deepen your trust with him, so that, and, and that he would calm your anxiety and reduce your overwhelm. This morning, we'd love to pray with you. We've got a prayer and a pastoral team that's going to come down the front. If you're facing storms in life and you just need a touch from God this morning, we would love to pray with you. And also this morning, if you're, uh, if you're starting something new, you know, you're, uh, I just really felt during the week that there was, uh, there was a need to offer prayer for those who were here this morning who are about to start something new or they're considering something new for 2020. Now, stillness and being in the safe harbor is important, but a boat isn't built to stay in the harbor. Now, there are many of you who are about to launch into a new journey in 2020. Right now, you're not sure what's ahead, but you want to navigate that. You want to navigate that season with a trust and a focus on Jesus. Our prayer and our pastoral team would love to pray with you this morning. They'd love to commission you as you set out on that new journey. So as we sing this song, believing that God is making a way for us, I want to invite you to come. Come and receive prayer. Come and be strengthened. Come and fix your eyes on Jesus. Thanks, guys. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.